you got your Bibles, stay to your, keep standing to your feet. We're just going to let the Spirit move, those that are praying. And we want to say again a big thank you to all of our guests that are with us here today. We'll say especially, uh, it's good to see uh, Brad with us. God bless you, visiting from Illinois, right? Illinois, I'm correct on that. And good to have uh, Sister Maria's mother, uh, Miss Sanchez. God bless you. We love you that you're able to be with us today. God bless you. Amen. And uh, also, Pastor Cecilia and your family. It was so nice to meet you a couple weeks ago. God bless you. Diego, Lord bless each of you and all of our Wildlife guests. Thank you for being here today. I want to be conscious of the time and, and speak briefly and quickly. And, uh, um, and But I want uh, God to remind us today of what we're here for and what he's called us to do. I want you to look in your Bibles to a couple of passages of Scripture. The first one is in the book of John. And... Uh, it is uh, the book of John, chapter number 8 and verse number 12. And then uh, I want you to look, turn over to the gospel of Matthew, chapter number 5 and uh, verse number 14 and 15. Uh, and I want to say that I'm excited about uh, Brother Godwin being with us again on Monday and Tuesday to finish out this series of revival services. It has... Uh, literally be de been defining moments for Life Church of us going forward as a body of Christ and what God's going to do. So that is tomorrow and Tuesday, and that'll be the last of our revival services that we will have as we go into our new semester of Life Group. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. <clears throat> John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. Jesus defined who he was and what he was doing right there when he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I am the light, and he that followeth me shall have the light of life. And then in the first sermon of Jesus Christ, the uh, perhaps the most significant words that he spoke known as the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. He takes it from the uh, description of himself as I am the light of the world and he talks to his followers and he says, ye are the light of the world. Everybody notice that there? He starts out in, in, in the passage and John says, I am the light of the world, but then he extends it to the church or believers and says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see what? your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. This afternoon we pray, Lord, that your will would be accomplished in this house. And over the next few minutes, Lord, we would be inspired to do everything that you've called us to do and to follow in your footsteps as the light of the world, Lord Jesus, and a bridge, Lord God, from the world to a place where they can be believers and spirit-filled and impacted. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. When you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was one who broke down barriers. 
Anybody understand that? Jesus was born into an area and a time where there were devout followers of the law of Moses and then there were the publicans and the sinners. And the assumption was that those that were believing the law and abiding by the law and surrendered and submitted to the law, those scribes and Pharisees, Sadducees and so forth, were to definitely be separate from the rest of the world, have nothing to do with them, not eat with them. Remember the time when they said to Jesus, they said, there's something wrong with this guy because he is eating with publicans and with sinners. So the assumption was that the people who were believers, the people who were godly, the people who were striving to be holy were to not be around those who had issues and problems and sins and bad reputation and a negative vibe in the community. There was to be this separation. And when Jesus stepped on the scene, he made the religious people nervous. He didn't make them nervous because he lived in sin, but it made them nervous that he was a holy man without sin, but he spent time showing love to and reaching out to those that were messed up. And they said, what's wrong with this guy? He knows the law. He lives the law. He abides by the law. We can't find any flaws in his life other than the fact that he is a friend with publicans and he's a friend with sinners and he hangs out with people who got issues in their life. Let me tell you what Jesus was doing. Jesus was setting a new expectation for what believers were going to do. His purpose was to take the holiness and the purity and the value of God's law and bridge it to a world that was in need. Purists, the Hebrew purists, were uh, absolutely committed to maintaining within the walls of Judaism the purity of the law of Moses. That's what their modus operandi was. That was their heartfelt commitment, and they thought they were pleasing God by doing it. But when Jesus came on the scene, and then his apostles and followers and the apostle Paul broke through the wall completely, indicating that it's God's purpose that there be a bridge between sinful humanity, between those adulterers that according to the law should have been stoned. But I want to extend righteousness to those people who didn't have a chance to be raised like you were raised and didn't have an opportunity to grow up in the home that you grew up in and didn't have an opportunity to hear the law laid out like you heard the law laid out. Their lives are a mess. They don't understand right from wrong they don't understand left from right and when Jesus came into the world he was a revolutionary because his purpose was to take God's holiness and extend it to a world that was hurting and in need so he said I'm the light of the world I am the light of the world light shines in darkness amen the light makes a difference in darkness. And Jesus' ministry was all about finding the people who needed him. Remember what Jesus said? It's the sick that need a hospital, not the people who are well. Jesus, why are you hanging out with these folks? Because they need something. 
He came in to break up their holy huddle and say, your purpose is not to huddle around one another, but your purpose is to build a bridge. I hope you get this theme right now. To build a bridge between where I want people to go and where people are. The ministry of reconciliation was the ministry of Jesus Christ and he extended to you and I the ministry of reconciliation. I want to tell you today, this is what Life Church is about. And we got to train our children that are growing up in our homes and are learning the values of the Bible that we're not giving them biblical values so they can get in a holy huddle but we are investing in them biblical values so that they can look out to people that are in need and say, God didn't put me in the church just to stamp my ticket to heaven, but he put me in here to reach out to somebody that has a need, amen, to reach out and impact the community that has a need. Because what Jesus did, you and I are supposed to do. If you miss that, you miss the whole message of the Bible. He is our pattern. He's the one we follow after. Can I get an amen if you believe I'm telling you the truth? He said, I will be the firstborn among many brethren. And he said, when you grow up spiritually, you grow up to the full measure of Jesus Christ. Amen. So a full-grown Christian doesn't look like a Pharisee. They look like Jesus. Listen to me right now. A grown-up believer isn't in a huddle A grown-up believer is a bridge. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm so thankful for what happens in this place on Sunday. But I realize that my mission is not exclusive to these four walls. Amen. Jesus went to the synagogue. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus spent time in prayer. But then he went and ate with sinners. Come on, someone. Then he went out and found somebody that was hurting, found somebody that was in need, and extended truth to them. Jesus was the only one in the room that day that could have thrown stones at the woman caught in that act of adultery. Because what did he say? He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. This woman was caught in the act of adultery in the very act. They drug her in before Jesus, said, The law said she must be stoned. What say you? Anybody else ever wondered, where's the dude? Because you can't commit adultery by yourself. Well, they drug her in and they had stones and something in their hateful, self-righteous spirit wanted to hurl stones at this lady, this woman, and to kill her that day. Jesus knew he was faced with the reality that this was a sinner. She'd been caught in sin and the law said she must die. So he stooped down and began to write on the, on the ground. I don't know what he wrote, but he wrote on the ground. And then he stood and said, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then he began to write on the ground. I don't know what he wrote. Somebody suggested maybe he wrote down some of the things that those people in there had done and been guilty of. And they're like watching him write, and they're like, You know, I better put my stone down and slip out of here while I can. Whatever it was that he wrote, A few minutes later, he looked up and there wasn't a single person standing there but the woman who was caught in adultery. And he said, where are those thine accusers? And she says, there are none, Lord. And then Jesus said these words, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin 
no more. The Bible doesn't tell us the end of the story, but I believe in my heart that when she experienced the mercy of Jesus Christ, it was a bridge from a life of sin a life of disobedience, a life of hurt, amen, a life of brokenness, a life of things that had happened to her when she was a little girl that turned her into the woman that she became, that she said, I can walk across this bridge of love and compassion and mercy for me right now. And I just believe with my heart uh, that she learned to live a life above sin. See, Jesus uh, in his mercy never intended for people to stay in their sins. Uh, His whole purpose for existence was to create a bridge across which they could go from their sin to a life of righteousness. Since he was the light of the world, ye are the light of the world. I want to tell you that I've shared this with the church a couple of years ago that I really believe that the greatest metaphor for what the church is to be and what the church is supposed to be doing is a bridge, a bridge, because there are many people in the world that we live in today who are not believers, they're unbelievers, some of them have never experienced truth at all, others were raised around Sunday school, raised around church, and for whatever reason, they hit that age and they walked away from their commitment, their relationship with God, it's sad to see how many people are like that. But there are literally hundreds of thousands and millions of people in our region who are unbelievers. They are on the other side. They are disconnected from believers. And because of their sin, a lot of times there are lots of problems that end up in their life. Amen? Sin is at the root of almost all the problems in the human family. So they're over here living, if you would, on this one body of land or continent and then there are the believers the one who against all odds have committed themselves to living for Jesus Christ who decided to follow Jesus to take up their cross and follow him Regardless of the pressure of this world, regardless of the values of this world, they decided that I'm going to live according to the principles and the values of the word of God. And I am on this side. And between where the believers are and the world, which is where the unbelievers are, there is a great chasm of rushing water. And this water could be described as anything that produces unbelief, be cynicism, hurts from their past, the values of this world, all of these things have created a powerful current of water that makes it impossible for them on their own to make the trek from their position of unbelief and they look over and they see the believers over there and they're like, wonder what it's like over there and why do those people live like that and why do they have those kinds of values and uh, all too often then we as the church 
feel like it's our responsibility to defend our values by lobbing bombs from the, the section of where the believers are over to where the unbelievers are. Our bombs of our values and why we believe what we believe. Rather than saying, you know what? God has not called us to stand here and to defend, but God has called us to do what Jesus Christ did, and that is to build a bridge from where God wants us to be to where people are. The church is to be a bridge. Not a fortress, but a bridge. One thing I've learned about every bridge that I've ever seen is that it has an end in both places, right? You can't build a bridge and only have it coming down on one of the two spots. That would be the bridge to nowhere or the bridge to suicide. Every bridge has to have an end in both places. And I want to tell you that the purpose of what God has called the church to be is to be a two-way bridge, not for people to come into the church and then go out of the church and backslide, but the purpose is we cross this bridge to a land where our values can be established to where we can experience Jesus Christ's righteousness, to where we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and taught the principles of the word of God. And then our purpose is to go back across the bridge, amen, and to find somebody who's in need, find somebody who's lost, find somebody who's broken and who is hurting. And to be what Jesus Christ was, the light of the world. Listen, nobody else is going to do it for us. He said, you are the light of the world. If you're waiting for Jesus to take on human form again and go over to uh, uh, the rough part of town, you're going to be waiting for a long time. If you're waiting for Jesus, come on someone, to put on human form again and to go where the gang problems are and to try to minister and reach, we're going to be waiting for a long time because he said ye are the light of the world and greater works than I did you're going to do Praise God. I love the story of when they built the bridge across the Niagara Falls there was a uh, uh, there was a man whose name was John Roebling in 1855 who completed the first bridge across the river that led right to the Niagara Falls. Now, how many have ever been to the Niagara Falls? Raise your hand if you've ever been. It's pretty impressive. I mean, those waters are going violently over that edge. And uh, it was impossible for them to build a traditional bridge. They had to do a span bridge. And many people said, it's impossible. And I want to tell you today that there's many people that believe that the church cannot do what the church was called to do. And the reality is many churches are dying today because they have become isolated islands trying just to hold on to what they have. But Jesus never called us to do that. He said, church, you've got to make a bridge across the torrent. Listen right now. The torrent of hurt feelings and misconceptions and unbelief and cynicism and doubt that's been created and you got to find a way to get across that because your mission is to do what Jesus did and to be a light in the world praise God I'm thankful for our powerful services 
But if our powerful services don't make us more like Jesus, then we wasted our time. Hear me right now. If our powerful services don't transform us and make us more like Jesus, say, what do you mean like Jesus? Like turn the other cheek? Like do good to them who do evil against you? Let men see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven? It's not talking about good works you do in a corner, not talking about good works you do for your own, but let men see your good works and glorify your Father. God's plan, come on now, God's plan is what happens in this church is to make us more like Jesus Christ. And when we become more like Jesus Christ, we become more interested in bridging to people that have needs. Praise God. Come on, let's let the word speak to us right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As he was striving to figure out a way to span the water, first of all, he, back in 1853, offered $5 to the first boy who could fly a kite that would go all the way across this, uh, I think it was 800 feet. 800 and something feet, 200 feet high from one bank to the other. So the little boy did it. So they had a kite string. And then they put a heavier string across. They drew a heavier string across. And then a rope. And then finally a big thick wire, uh, um, uh, iron thing that was the first part of building this uh, suspension bridge. And then they built across like a catwalk and uh, uh, Roebling. It was either Roebling or the one before that rode out there literally on a horse and carriage across strong winds blowing, the waters rushing, and women were fainting in the crowd, literally. And then finally when he went across, there was such a loud cheer from the other side that he had made it across. The point was it took a lot of strategy and a lot of focus and a lot of intentionality and a lot of purpose. But he said there's one thing that's not going to win, and it's not the Niagara Gorge. This bridge is going to win. It's going to defeat it. And I want you to know right now, there's got to be something in our spirit that says uh, the spirit of cynicism and unbelief in our world today is not going to win. It's not going to keep people trapped in their sin. It's not going to keep people closed in. And, and a spirit of religiosity is not going to win. But we are going to bridge the gap. And we're going to reach out to people that are hurting and people that are in need and people who see the world completely different than what you see the world when they start across the bridge they're going to be a lot closer to that side than they are to this side but you know what it's time to rejoice but pastor they still think this way but pastor they still use this kind of language but pastor they're still doing these worldly things just relax they're crossing the bridge come on now they're making their way encourage them Rejoice with them. When you see them cry, when you see the Spirit of God move upon them, you rejoice. Come on now. Well, when I got the Holy Ghost, I was changed overnight. Well, God bless you. When you got the Holy Ghost, the waters were a little less troubled than they are now. Come on, somebody. Used to be a nice, easy, lazy river that was between the believers and the unbelievers because the church was respected in the community and 
the values of the world that weren't, weren't that much different than the values of the church but the world that we live in today there is a torrent rushing between where people are and where God is taking them you got to have patience when they come across this bridge because something's being reformed in them something's being reshaped in them and my God let us do everything we can to rejoice with every step that a person makes Praise God. I asked Brother Rick to share with me what's been happening when he hasn't been here on Sunday. He's been preaching at the Castaic Prison, which is a huge uh, prison in the Los Angeles system since January of 2011. It's over a year, like a year and a half ago he started on the last Sunday of the month. Something's happened in the last few weeks that describes the signs of a revival. You want me to share it with you? April the 10th of this year, during a service, Brother Rick felt led to preach a message of deliverance to the inmates. And those that were there for the service, that they come by choice. 51 of them stepped forward and said, I need prayer because I want to experience deliverance. That was on April the 10th. On April the 22nd, he felt led again to preach a message of deliverance. And 81 attended the service and all but 10 of them stepped forward. 71 of them stepped forward for prayer and asked for prayer and received deliverance that day. And the Holy Spirit prompted him. Brother Rick felt to ask, how many of you have not been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins? He took the name and the information of those that said they'd never been baptized, but the problem was baptisms had never been allowed in the Castaic prison. You guys with me? Never. So Brother Rick said, I'll leave it up to God. I'm just collecting their names. And then on the 24th of April, 30 men, 31 men had requested to be baptized in Jesus' name, but there was nothing they could do because there was no approval. So he notified the senior, senior chaplain that the request... Uh, that, uh, that, that there was all these requests and the, and the senior chaplain let Brother Rick know that a baptism service had been approved, breaking an 18-year silence, 18 years without any water baptisms. Not only did they, uh, and it wasn't just a one-time thing, now they approved one Saturday each month that they could do water baptisms in Jesus' name at the Castaic Prison. Come on, somebody. So then on May the 5th, May the 5th, 2012, for the first time in 18 years, there was water baptism in Castaic Prison, and 22 men were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Then three days later on May the 8th, he preached about overcoming adversity. Sixteen men who had been baptized in water requested to learn more about the Holy Spirit and receiving the baptism of the Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. Then on May 27th, preached back-to-back -back services. 143 men attended service for the day. The Holy Spirit was moving and more men were signing up for baptisms. And then on June the 3rd, June the 3rd was last week, approximately 160 men attended the service that day. Brother Rick laid hands on over 100 men, anointed them with oil and praying for their family and deliverance needs. More men requested to be baptized in Jesus' name. So yesterday, 
right? Yesterday, Brother Rick, on Saturday, baptized in Jesus' name 40 brand new men in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins at the Castaic prison. Can we praise the Lord for what's happening? Come on, somebody praise him right now. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Why don't we stand our feet right now? Let's just lift up the Lord right now for a minute. name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Michael and Diana, Chris and Nora, can you come up here right now? Brother Simon, can you come here? Anybody else that helps you to drive the van? The sisters that uh, do the, the mission work to, uh, to the home over in Pasadena, Sister Rose, Sister Garland, I want you to come forward right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just come across the front here. Come across the front. Hallelujah. There are no doubt other, other things that I'm overlooking, but Brother Ulysses and your team, I want you to come forward as well in the name of the Lord. These uh, people have volunteered to be a part of the Wildlife Project on a regular basis. And so they're there seeking to connect families and young people to Life Church to build a bridge between where they are and where the kingdom of God is. Brother Simon has done ministry. Uh, when he first came in the church a long time ago, he said, I got to do something. And so he began to uh, use his own resources to pick up people from the mission downtown and to bring them to the house of the Lord. Amen. And uh, 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 these are, are, are working in uh, these ministries and outreaches to various places. But I want to tell you that this is what God wants us to do right here in the name of the Lord. This is what Jesus Christ uh, wants us to do, to get out of where we are. Here's the kingdom of God. Here's Life Church. This represents for us right now God's will for people's lives. This is marriages being healed and put back together. Come on up, Brother Rick, as well. Marriages being healed and put back together. This represents people's lives being restored. This represents newness of life. This represents changing the family tree, getting out of gang activity, getting out of drug addiction. Come on, somebody. This represents people who are just focused only on this world, focused on what they can do and how much money they can make and how much fun that they can have before. But this represents a life that's changed and transformed and focused on God's purpose. This is one spot. This is not a very good representation here, but this is where God wants them to be. I need something else to represent the world. I'll use this right here. This is the world. Anybody see that? Probably can't, but this is the world. This is the life change, the transformation, the spirit. Here we are today. Here's the lost world. Guess what Jesus is? Jesus is this right here. 
He's the bridge between being lost and hopeless and finding eternal life in Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the pathway out of darkness. I'm the hope to the hopeless. But then he turned around and said, you, Life Church, you, lead to new birth, integrate into his family, form to spiritual maturity, and equip for their ministry. What are you being equipped for? To do what Jesus did. To love people nobody else loves. To reach for people nobody else cares about. If I'm here and I'm going here, I'm going to have to reach to people who don't think like I think. Who don't share my values. But I've got to learn to love them. I've got to learn to reach and stretch myself. To teach, to bring. And in the name of the Lord right now, I'm going to invite the rest of the Life Church to gather up around behind these because we want something to get a hold of this church. And I know there are many others here that represent the bridge. These are a few that I just wanted to call up right now. But come on up to the front right now. We're going to pray together in Jesus' name. Church, I want to remind you that being like Jesus is more than just adopting values of purity. That's who Jesus was and that's who we're supposed to be. But Jesus said, I'm not going to stay here in this huddle. But my calling and my purpose is to find somebody to just reach myself, to stretch myself to someone in need. It takes an investment of time. But when you realize this is your purpose because this was Jesus' purpose. Oh man, I wish somehow I could get it out of here and get it to get it to all of us right now. This is the purpose of Jesus Christ. That the group of those that are committed to being a bridge would multiply and double and triple and quadruple in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Because for our church to be what God wants us to be in the community, it's not about what we do in here. It's about what happens when we interface with people who are not saved, people who are lost. See, our heart's desire is that Life Church would make a difference in our community people in the community who've never been here before, when, they, when you say to them what do you think of Life Church? They say, well, I mean they have different beliefs than what I do, but I can't argue with the fact that they're making a difference, that they're sowing into the community. That's the witness and the testimony that, they, that we want. Not that, not just that yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a group of superpower holy righteous people that like to get together and shake it down. But that that those are people that love like Jesus loved. Those are people who just aren't normal because they love so much and they reach and they care. Oh God, let the spirit of Jesus, the mind of Christ get into us. 
I want you to stretch your hand and I want you to pray with someone connect all across this place right now in the name of the Lord Jesus God you have a purpose in this community something that you desire to accomplish through the members of this body and Jesus I pray in your precious name right now that the anointing of your spirit Lord God would come upon us and we would recognize, Lord Jesus, our responsibility in this world is to do what you did and to be what you were, to reach, Lord Jesus, to people in need and to love those, Lord God, who need love. I pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands right now and begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody get the Holy Ghost right now in this place. God, I want a purpose for my life. I want my life to have meaning. I want to make a difference, Lord Jesus. Could you anoint me with courage? Could you anoint me with the fire, Lord God, to be what you've called me to be, Jesus, and to do what you've called me to do? Come on, that's it. I want you to praise the Lord Jesus right now. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus in me, let the world see, Jesus in me, everywhere.
one another for a minute right now. This is Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. 
Come on, let that cry come from your spirit right now. God, I want to be what you want me to be, Jesus. I don't want to fall short of realizing your purpose for my life, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands one more time. I believe God wants to continue to minister even right now. Someone can receive the Holy Ghost. Someone can be spirit-filled. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It just feels good here, doesn't it, right now? Did you know what? Did you know Jesus wants to go to your apartment building? Did you know Jesus wants to go to your workplace? Did you know that? He wants to go to your workplace. But it's going to have to be you. You're the one. You're going to take Jesus there. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world in a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. Hallelujah. I want you to put your hands together and let's clap for the Lord and what his purpose is and what he's going to accomplish. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to say a prayer right now and we're going to dismiss you. There's a few things. We'll let those that want to pray to continue to pray for a few moments here. But there will be appetizers out there in the conference room for anybody, for everyone. And uh, so that will be right out there. And then uh, there will be a five-minute break before we begin the teardown. And when we begin the teardown, we can leave the floor. We don't have to take up the floor, okay? Brothers and sisters, we get to leave that down. And it uh, seems like there was one other thing. And there's a bake sale for our young people that are wanting to go to camp to raise money for our kids and young people. Where's that bake sale to be held? In the lobby. It's going to happen right in the lobby. So God bless you. Let's be respectful for the, to those that are praying. Take our fellowship out towards the lobby, and in a few moments we'll begin the teardown. God bless you. Jesus, go with us, I pray, Lord. Let us be the church, not just come to church. Let us be your representative, your hands and feet, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I pray in the name of Jesus, put your anointing upon us. Let the Holy Spirit fall. Let the glory of the Lord fill the house of the Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Hallelujah.